Assalamu alaikum, Maryam. Kaisi hain aap? How are you doing? Wa alaikum assalam. I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you. Kya aapne work nikala? Aap uh, you spared your time and you are joining us in this session. And I'm very happy to host you today. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really very. Raj ne mujhe aapka introduction diya aur fir aapki organization ki website dekhi Lost Voices of South Asia. Uh, and when I went through your profile, uh, I was amazed. A girl, a young potential girl in the age of 17, running an organization, raising the voices. of south asian community in usa it was something uh, which i really i really appreciate platform that can raise awareness of societal issues i think i was just doing my duty as a south asian woman hmm that's great main janna chahunga hame thoda sa introduce kijiye apne bare mein apne family background ke bare mein आप पाकिस्तानी ओरिजिन से हैं या आपकी फैमिली पाकिस्तानी ओरिजिन से है इस वक्त आप वर्जीनिया में रह रही हैं और ये सारा जो एक्टिविज्म आप कर रही हैं इसका हमें थोड़ा सा बैकग्राउंड कर दीजिए ऑफ कोर्स तो मेरी फैमिली माय फैमिली कम्स फ्रॉम इस्लामाबाद दैट्स वेयर माय नाना नानी लिव एंड देन माय ग्रैंड पेरेंट्स एक्चुअली माय दादा दादी लिव इन सियाटल वाशिंगटन Um, my dad's side of the family migrated here, uh, migrated to America, 120 years ago. So I've been, so my family has been in the states for quite a long time, and it gives us. I'm a sixth generation um, American citizen, so that's, so that's uh, something that's unique about me. But also, I am getting. I'm involved in a lot of projects. um such as as you guys know Lost Voices of South Asia is my main project which is a non-profit organization providing a platform for South Asian youth and um, the South Asian youth diaspora that's what i want to um stress on um is the South Asians that have moved here and have lost a connection to their culture so on our web on our social on our platform we we do a variety of different things we have a podcast talking of societal issues we have um college meetings with influential colleges all around the US which we host webinars with and talk to their student body about social issues we talk about current events and um things going on in the world on our social media and we really get we really get kids involved in making that change the societal change that starts at home So that's one of my projects. My other one is Justice for All. I get to advocate for the Rohingya, the uh, the Rohingya crisis, the Kashmiri crisis, as well as the Uyghur crisis. I've been working on that project for about four years now, and that was my introduction to policymaking and um, activism. And then um, we, I am also working on a variety of different um, projects that are that are from my home or in my home um, county. which I work, do work with the Alexandria Women's Domestic Violence Shelter. Um I do work with just a lot of local organizations the student humanitarian uh the human rights organization so uh to create equity within this county and then I work with um the student advisory council to again create equity um and then I'm involved in a lot of nonprofits I volunteer with them I work with them I lead a few um organizations such as uh Virginia Climate Strike um 
also Tomorrow Project DC. These are um, environmental organizations that are working on building a love for sustainability. I do mainly research for them, and that goes into my second love that I have, which is science. Um, through the past four years I've been in high school, I've been able to um, do some uh, do influential disease research on endometriosis, which I'm really excited about, and hopefully um, my research can help people now. So that's always my main goal with any project I do or anything at all. It's just to help as many people as I can, and that's genuinely what I would like to do. And so uh, that's how I, that's a little bit about me, that those are some of the projects I'm working on. Um, and yeah, <laughs> but um, I'm really excited to continue working on some of these projects. Um, with Lost Voice of South Asia, I hope to branch out and really leave, create a platform for South Asian youth to find their identity in whether that be through changing social stigmas, addressing social stigmas, uh, bridging the divide between South Asian uh, youth all around. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, uh, organization you have in South Asian Voices. Tell us a background uh, white areas, black areas, and gray areas. There are gray areas in between white and black. And in America, the situation is a bit different. There are brown uh, people in between white and black. Yeah, definitely. So um, we started this organ, I started this organization because I noticed that Pakistanis, or I'm Pakistani myself. So I noticed that Pakistanis uh, were not involved in politics. And hmm. so, and you know, they're complaining about all of these big issues that are going on, but I'm like, you guys aren't, you know, showing up. So I realized that some of those opportunities aren't accessible to them. So that's how we kind of started off. It became Pakistani Youth Initiative. And then we started working on a few campaigns. We did a free Kashmir DC campaign. And then working from there, we were like, why not do, why not share some stories of some unheard of some people that don't have a platform? And that's how we kind of came to Lost Voice of South Asia. And we want in America, when you're, when you're born here, you struggle with the identity crisis. Are you Pakistani or am I American? And that's mm. one thing you weigh on. For example, you've been, your, you've spent your entire life born here. Like I mentioned, I'm a sixth generation American. So, but when I go into a store, people still talk down to me. When I, whatever I do, they don't hold me at the same level as they would a white woman in America. That's just, even though in terms of pay and education, South Asians succeed here in America. They really, you know, turn their life around and that's because of the amount of hard work and dedication that they put in, but unfortunately, they're not, it's not valued, if that makes sense. When they see, when they see a brown person in a store, it doesn't matter if it's Pakistani, Indian, um, Hindu, Bangladeshi, or, you know, a Sikh person or Muslim person, they're going to all assume we're the same. They look right. at all of us and they group us into this big group. It's Indian. You guys are less civilized than us. You guys are less everything than us. Um, they will not treat, yeah. And this behavior comes from the 
white Americans, black Americans, or in general from Americans? Um, specifically, you get it from almost everyone, but um, definitely people of color here are more um, empathizing or sympath uh, sympathizing with everyone here. Um, so you don't face that as much from there. But for example, if you are in the running for something, for a position or anything like that, they will choose the white girl over you, whether yeah. you have more experience, more of, of the popular vote or whatever it may be. That's just how they frame their, that's just how they frame it. Because genuinely there, there's this big divide. They still believe that, you know, they are above us. Yeah. And uh, don't you think, Mariam, uh, uh, we behave like that as well? Like still, I, I know uh, many Americans, they call their uh, people, their community, uh, Desi. Yeah. So the, the word Desi sounds there yeah. for uh, their own identity. Yeah. So they still keep themselves uh, on a distance from the local communities. Definitely. There is a big distance because everyone just stays in their own communities. You know, there are every single city. Um, I live in Virginia. So there's like plazas where everything, when you go there, it's all Desi things. It's all Desi restaurants, it's all halal meat stores or um, shopping centers, whatever it may be. We have kind of created these sections of ourselves, you know, and that's what's been, you know, growing up here, you grow up in your own community. I grew up in Seattle, Washington for a lot of my life. And when I was there, it was my grandparents, friends, um, my, my dad's family and, um, just the masjid board that that was the that was the scope of my world you know even though i did go to school it just mm -hmm. didn't you that that didn't feel like when you went to school when i was growing up i didn't feel like that was those were my friends that was my life no my life was when i came home to people who looked like me and people who spoke like me who thought like me and so we are definitely in our own communities we are definitely immersed and uh, sometimes it uh, feels like uh, you are somewhere lost in identity crisis. Yeah. The problem is there. But one thing very good, I was uh, just going through your uh, website that you are vocal about Kashmir, human yeah. rights in Kashmir, human rights violations in Kashmir, Indian occupied Kashmir, of course. Yeah. And you have so many young kids with you uh, from India or having Indian background. Yeah. This is something amazing. How, how do you manage it? Or how, how people, Indian people, especially people with the Indian background, how they think about the violations taking place in Indian occupied Kashmir? So that's, so that's a little bit of a complex question, but the thing is, all of the members on my team or whoever it may be they all agree that kashmir is a kashmir is not a land dispute anymore it's about basic human rights now and there and that and uh, india is violating kashmir's basic human rights i it is absolutely disgusting and i think that that divide doesn't doesn't really separate us as much anymore um, because for example if you see an Indian person and you see a Pakistani person over here 
and you know one is hindu indian and one is pakistani muslim you're going to be you get along really easily you're like oh you're another brown person you're another desi person just like me and so that divide isn't there as much but it is prevalent when kids who specifically their parents are super um nationalistic towards prime minister modi that's like when you see the biggest divide in indians and pakistanis over here or indians and south asians there it just depends on their loyal their parents and how they were raised on their loyalty to to um to modi that's why they believe there are some hindu nationalists and fascists that do live here there is no denying that but the amount the amount of people that believe that kashmir is violating a human a basic human rights i think is larger than the people who um who are like no kashmiris should be oppressed should be persecuted no uh maryam uh, tell me one thing uh, you are as you're quite young you are just 17 right now yeah. and you you just born in the world where uh, there there was a, already a divide took place after 9/11 yeah you did not witness 911 but you witnessed what happened after 911 so i guess uh, you started observing the behaviors in 2009 and 10 uh in your early age what was that exactly so going to school you know you i used to wear um when i used to go to school i used to go to public school in america and i used to wear a scarf to school because that was that was just a personal choice that i had made and i had i had loved it you know i saw my mom doing it i saw my cousins doing it and i was like what i loved it that was who what was that was who i was and then but then these divides start coming in that you know when you go to a school and it's mostly white these white people are like you know they they do it it, it adds a barrier it's like oh I didn't understand why I was treated differently. Um I didn't understand why my voice wasn't taken as seriously or my concerns or anything like that. You definitely start observing that behavior and again it still falls into today. Your voice you you have to really fight to have it heard. But it is still there, right? It it's still there. Islam Islamophobia is still there. No matter at my public school, I want to say 13 to 14% of the student body are Muslim. And that's a that's a large percentage just considering everything. But the teachers will have microaggressions and it comes from specifically teachers of white descent. It you feel it. Your ideas aren't taken as seriously. Your voice isn't heard. Your um you're basically not valued no matter what you do you know mm-hmm. unless you make that value for yourself you have to really um fight for everything you have and you know a really great example of this would be i spoke to my high school counselor um on last year and this was when i was still involved in some in most of the projects that i had mentioned and everything like that and she she looked at me and she said and you know i my they see i have to you know hold up to a certain par of grades and everything like that but i went to her and she was like why are you thinking of applying to these colleges it's not like your parents are going to let you go anywhere mm-hmm. except for the nearby 
uh, uh, university that's like 20 minutes away from my home. And, um, and I just looked at her and I was like, what? These, there are these pre-assumptions made about you before you can even say anything. Hmm. How do you know what my family's like? How do you know hmm. when they look at when they look at me, they won't think, oh, you're sixth generation. They think in their mind took, oh, you just came here. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. That shouldn't affect anything. The way the Esau, the English is my second language, students are treated. Pakistan, they're Pakistani, they're South Asian, they're struggling learning English. And these teachers don't give them the basic human rights or the basic treatment. That's, that's strange because as, as we see from outside of America, Americans, they always advocate about the human rights. They always about, talk about the right of expression, right, uh, freedom of expression and so many things. Uh, they they always talk about something which is around rights, and here yeah. is a need of uh, rights movement again in America. We feel yeah. like that, you know. And, and you were working on that, by the way. Yeah, I was just like, what they come from this mentality of a white savior mentality that you know all of these countries are doing something wrong because they're second world countries. We're not, we're, we're perfect just the way we are. Uh, but all of these countries on the side, they're, they're not, they're not perfect. They're like, Oh, Kashmir. They want to talk about Kashmir before they want to talk about, um, before they want to talk about the, the black lives matter movement. You know, we have a president in office who, spreads Islamophobia on a daily basis. He says, I basically hate all colored people. And people keep on voting for him. There is That's so strange. many deep rooted problems. You know, I know that on TV or whatever the Western influences that definitely that Pakistani you'd see or South Asian you'd see, you're like, oh, America's like this really nice idealistic place to live and we they ha they're so inclusive and there's nothing wrong no there are so many things wrong with first the government the government is just extremely corrupt there are people who go to sleep on the street that don't have food that don't have water even though we house some of the richest people in the entire world these people's net worths go into the hundreds of billions of dollars and they won't give a single penny to have people fed they won't have a single penny go to people who are homeless. They don't, they're people who can't pay their hospital bills are just choosing to die because of COVID. There are so many institutionalized problems and it's just because capitalism is what's reigning America right now. It's always how much money can you make? And that's, that's the second side of the picture. We, we did not know about it. And uh, by the way, Mariam, uh, do you remember Obama administration's time? Yes, I do. And, and what is the difference between Obama administration when Obama was there as president and now uh, Trump is uh, the president of the United States? Definitely. Okay. What is the difference? Um, well, I think the main difference is acknowledging that Obama was not perfect in any way. When Obama was in office, he bombed the most amount of Middle East countries on a daily basis. Hmm. There yeah. is so much that he did underlying that a lot of people are like, no, Obama was the best president ever. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But 
um, I think the main thing was when Trump became president, you really saw the true colors of America. You really saw that there are so many racists that live in this country that don't want you here. What was Trump's basis? We don't want Hispanics here. We're going to ban all the Muslims and all the black people can just leave. That's that's what his that was that's what his campaign was on, and people voted for him. And now he's again running the same campaign, right? He's running the same campaign with the same people who are open Islamophobes and people who genuinely don't want what's best. And you know, when Trump, but also when I what I want what I do want to highlight during the Trump administration, he was able he signed um, a pact that placed a little that just signed the Uyghur bill. Um, that placed a few limitations on China to end uh, Uyghur persecution. And then the second thing he had done during his administration was give, I believe, um, 60 to $120 million of U.S. tax money to the Rohingya crisis. So you can't, so we can't say, so he ha has done some positives in his career, but his entire campaign was run on being a racist and a bigot. Mm. And by the way, uh, Mariam, if you uh, look at the track record of Obama and uh, Trump and compare them in the war ventures, yeah. So, personally, I think that uh, Trump has pulled out. Yeah, his armies from different regions, right? Like uh, right now, uh, you Americans are not fighting in Middle East. You I are know. thank God because squeezing your size in uh, Afghanistan. Yeah, you are nowhere in the region anymore. And you have yeah. not started a new war in the last two. Years. So yeah. This is this is something which I find uh, I found good about Trump administration. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. And then you come to this moral dilemma: who do, who do I vote for? Do I vote for somebody who's who's going to really violate my human rights, or do I vote for someone who's going to violate other people's human rights? That that's what our decision is coming down to at this point. And it's it's really interesting to see how this election is going to go and the turn of events that are going to happen, but um, it's going to be very interesting. But I yeah, are, Trump, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah please, 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 go ahead. I said that the Trump administration has done some positives. We can't negate that. They pulled out of the, the wars in the Middle East, and that's very big, and that comes from his relations that he does business with most of the Middle East people. He does he he continued to business and what what he just did recently was but this is a negative he did that i think wasn't highlighted enough he recognized he got the uae um to recognize um israel as an official country yeah. is it and not good by the way huh is it not good by the way um recognizing israel as a, as a country yeah by a uh, Arab nation, UAE. I I don't think that was the best move because there are so many Palestinians who are really genuinely fighting for their human rights on a daily basis and being are being bombed, and I think that that wasn't the right move. You know, as Muslims, you cannot you cannot violate people's human rights. That as as a Muslim country, what they did was genuinely let, violate. Let's their let's let's phrase it like this. Okay, as a Muslim country, we should not recognize Israel and we should not have the diplomatic ties with Israel. We should not have any kind of influence over Israel. And we should protest that Israel is bombing Palestinians. Uh, inside our uh, 
like inside our cities or on our roads and do you really think that it it will make a difference or it will uh, move something inside israel when we don't know uh, them we don't recognize them we don't have any relations with them or if we talk with them and we negotiate with them we have uh, they have a hope of having a good bond with us and we uh, pursue the cause of uh, human rights for palestinian land freedom basic rights for palestinian and then there is a possibility that they will pay attention otherwise last seven decades we all know history speaks that they 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 don't give a serious thought on your concerns yeah they they don't that that entire crisis that's going on israel does not care what we think Frankly, they do not care, whatever. They're going to continue doing whatever they want to do. Um, but I think that in exchange for rocking, what they should have done, they should have made it in a different way. Because what they could have done, because the UAE, for example, is a very powerful country and has a lot of money. What they could have done was possibly um, said, okay, we, we will recognize you as an official country, but you need to leave this part you need to stop you need to t like give part of this territory back you need to stop bombing them on a daily basis and that like you know what i mean just basic human rights it's it's not that uae did this out of the kindness of their heart you know i i really do believe that i've, I've spent quite a bit of time there as well so they didn't do that out of the kindness of their heart they did it as a business move that's that's genuinely what it was. Yeah, let's see what happens. What's comes yeah. what what is coming uh, next? Uh, there are news that uh, more uh, Arab countries are going to establish their diplomatic ties with Israel very soon, yeah. and there are a few names uh, on the list. Yeah. By the way, uh, as as religious minority in uh, USA. Do you think that you have a religious freedom in USA? Mm -hmm. I think that we definitely, it, it is extremely, we have the opportunity to go pray in a mosque. We have the opportunity to hold Friday prayer at my school. We have the opportunity to um, wear a headscarf without, you know, being bullied. We have the opportunity to, um, where do express ourselves in any way we can um we do have that we do have that religious freedom um but there are what i want to say is we do have rights in america they're just hmm. microaggressions that we face on a daily basis and we have to acknowledge as muslims living here we have to acknowledge that xyz amount of people don't want us here they would they would rather see us like die that genuinely we need to know that we need to be aware of that oh really yeah that's that's something very very new for me because uh, uh american diplomats and american uh embassies and picture that's very bright picture yeah. that's a bright shining open 
america american society with diversity with inclusion with uh, rights with laws with everything definitely but, uh, and you have yeah. to kind of that goes back to when you're marketing an item let's say you're selling a pair of like forks or anything you're marketing are you gonna say no these are gonna break in the first try no you're gonna say oh my god these are the best top of the line quality things and they're marketing themselves and america has done a really good job of saying we're the best even though they're yeah. not but they, they they have excellent marketing skills yeah and um, now everyone realizes or everyone accepts this claim that they are the best yeah. or they are the one yeah but the amount of people that go hungry every single night, the amount of people that don't have basic health care, the amount of people that are targeted on a daily basis. America has so many flaws and they don't want to address them. You know, when the when the Black Lives Matter movement broke out over here, um, it was by the killing of George Floyd over nothing. Genuinely, he didn't do anything. And um, they they killed him and it really woke up a movement because everyone was in quarantine everyone was staying at home everyone was like oh my god this is still happening this is still happening this is let's take some action so for so many days they took they did protests like for an entire month they got some of them and what people don't know on those protests the amount of police officers that were shooting people with rubber bullets oh the amount of people that got shot in the eye and lost some of their eyesight. That, that's what happens. And they don't show you that. Do they show you really? that they were doing a peaceful protest, protesting for color for black people to have basic human rights and they were shot. Ah, same thing, which is uh, taking place in Indian occupied Kashmir. Yeah. What we are protesting, uh, protesting for. Yeah. For their right of uh, peaceful life. They don't have the right of uh, life there. Yeah. They are being killed. They are being shot by the pallet guns. They are being treated in human ways. They don't have any voice. They don't have access to information. Yeah. Internet is not working there. And it is the same situation. As which took place in a USA in the USA um well no we have we are able to say what we want to say let's say we have yeah. two Muslim congresswomen in our Congress right now Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar and they're really working on advocating for a lot of people and right now um, two people just won Qasem Rashid he's the first Pakistani to be in office and someone else I'm, I'm forgetting their name right now but we have a very diverse Congress and U.S. House of Representatives, they're changing things through policy, but we yeah. are allowed to speak. We are allowed to see our house, leave our house without being hate crimed, of course. You know, it, it doesn't compare to what happens in Kashmir at all. It's just that yeah. when that protest happened, the president himself got scared that people would come for him, especially yeah. after he called George, George Floyd a thug and, you know, just things like yeah. that that he did to really, really... um anger the u.s population so when these uh protests were happening they said no. you have 10 minutes and this is black people white people hispanic people muslim people everyone was in these protests it, it wasn't just like it wasn't just like oh it was just one group of people no it was everyone and so the police officers came in the middle of their protest which the national guard they said you have 
10 minutes to get out of here. You have a curfew. If you don't get out, we're going to, you're, you have to get out. And so the, then what they started doing, the police started blocking all of the main roads in DC. Mm-hmm. So people couldn't get to their cars. And in 10 minutes, they started shooting people with rubber, rubber bullets. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't shown in the media. Mm. It was a very dark. So somehow story. they managed it. Yeah. Yeah. So they feel somehow Twitter. they managed yeah, they did. And unless, and they were pepper spraying everyone in the eyes and whatever it may have been, but they were genuinely, America was in hell at that point. And I think that was, that was a very big eye opener for everyone living here. You're like, oh my God, this is what they really like genuinely, this is how they treat you. You're having a peaceful protest and the country, first of all, all like the, a lot of places were getting looted. Things were getting burned down. Uh, buildings were getting spray painted, um, and uh, the protests were happening. The police, the guards were like on every single monument, and it was really a terrifying month to be here in America. And you genuinely, like, I had this conversation with my mom. And I was like, "What is our plan out?" And this was during yeah. coronavirus. This was like at the peak of it. Um, so. Yeah. And then, of course, coronavirus that's happening right now in the U.S. We're the only country in the world who hasn't got this under control. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but so there's like, I want to say seven, six point something million coronavirus cases in the world. And U.S. has three point something, three point something million of those cases. So they have more than half of those cases of the corona cases. Please take our prime minister. He's expert in it please yeah i know take a prime minister imran khan yeah. he has done a marvelous job to control coronavirus and to not to exactly make economy work but at least we are not in the bad shape as our neighbors are right now yeah and right now um well that's just that. like what's happening right now is that when I leave my house, we we have to wear masks, we have to wear gloves, we have to like really protect ourselves from what's happening right now. It's it's out there and people are being diagnosed on a daily basis. So many people are being tested. It's it's really something else right now being here. Hey Miriam, uh, tell me uh what is the like relation as a muslim community you have with other faith groups in us yeah. with the jewish community with the christian community with the other 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 faith groups so me personally i have to say that that that's not really an issue the one thing about living here is for example if you go to school you're not gonna be like oh you're muslim no everyone there's a variety of people and you interact with them on a daily basis whether they're atheist hindu buddhist um sikh or they are um christian jewish whatever they may be you are interacting with all of them on a daily basis and i that's not a barrier personally to me um anymore yeah. between the religious divide between the religious um sides of things i think it comes more on um, the sides of um, just culturally and racially being profiled. That's where it comes from. I think that right now, like, for example, one of our organizations, um, they have like 
they have like all of these counties, they have like a diverse board. So our our county's uh, school board president is a Brownish. She's a Muslim hijabi woman. She was elected mm. into that position. Mm. So, you know, that that does make an influence. That does that does make a change. Um, but there are cases of really um, there is a little bit of divide, but I don't think that's what separates us more. I think that right now the upcoming year is going to be very different because um, everyone's going to be um, a little bit um, just everyone, all the all the people of color will kind of come together into one group at this moment because of what's just happened in the past few months. Um, it's going to be like a little bit of a segregation almost what's going to happen right now. And it's, it's very, all, all the people of color, they're all, they're all saying, I need to be on this, this, and this, so I can achieve this, this, and this for my people. So I'm, um, and you are, you are leading an organization, which is there to achieve certain things for your community, exactly for your and South Asian people. And I, and I'm a representative on all of these countywide boards that are fighting for Muslim rights, for fighting for South Asian rights. I'm like, no, you know, you can't put in that policy. That's not fair. Or this can't happen. You know, this amount of funds should go to X, Y, and Z issue. People don't have books at school. And some people, you know, there's a very, dis there's a huge disparity in where I go to school. Hmm. Um, a friend is just commenting on our uh, conversation that peaceful protests are those protests which actually are backed by uh, backed up by government itself. Otherwise, all the protests are Parapidendas or yeah, it's his view. Yeah, no, I am. But for in in regards to that, I would say that when your government isn't supporting basic human rights, whether it be you're fighting for healthcare for people mm. who can't afford healthcare, and or whatever it may be, it the government, it's in America's constitution. The government has doesn't have to agree with you to pass policy or whatever it may be. You have the freedom of speech that's in your constitution. As an American citizen, you have freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want, but um, it's been limited. It's they're they're really um, fighting their constitutional. They're really you know fighting the constitution that they're so like it. It works for them when they want to. You know the amendments. Hmm. It works when they want it to work, and it doesn't work when they want it to work. So. What are your future goals, Mariam? What are your future goals? Short so, future, long term, what are you planning? So in the future, um, I'm just planning on doing, just hoping to make positive change in whatever I do. And I hope to go into policy and really advocate for communities of color, advocate for Muslims, advocate for South Asians. Um, genuinely, that's what I hope to see myself doing because I think it's it's my duty. It's an it's. I've been given a voice, so it's my job to use it for people that don't have a voice. Um, and um, yeah, I'll be starting college in the upcoming year. I'll be continuing this project specifically. Um, and yeah, just putting together my organization. Um, we're launching a Pakistan team very soon um, with Oh, that's so fantastic. We're, we're in Pakistan. Um, so right now it's in Islamabad. We have recruited okay. 25 members that are specifically going to work on some social issues within Pakistan. And, you know, it's going to be led by people who are, 
who are Pakistani, like, you know, who've been born, raised here, who go to um, schools here. So it's going to be very interesting. And I'm going to just be like, I'm just going to be listening in. I'm going to see how they're doing and just help them manage it effectively and coordinate. So that's um, impressive. Thank you. Yeah, that's we're very excited. And so we are, you guys can find us on, uh, find me um, on Instagram. Um, it is Mariam X Khan um, with an extra N. And on Instagram at Lost Voices of South Asia, come check out our movement. If you guys like some of the things I was talking about, give me a personal message. Um, and I can really, I hope to connect you guys with some opportunities. Oh, that's good. That's good. Guys, whoever you are Mariam ki activities, uh, South Asian voices. Ke saath, agar aap Pakistani chapter ke saath aap jodna chahein, aap hona chahein. To Mariam ke uh, Instagram ke zariya aap Mariam se rata kar sakte hain. Inki organization ki website bhi hai. Uh, the website is lostvoicesofsouthasia.com. Yes. Iske zariya aap unse rata mein aaye, inka saath dijiye. He is an amazing young kid, young girl with a lot of passion and uh, like Mariam, no doubt, I was, I felt like that I am talking to a uh, future congresswoman. <laughs> Inshallah, thank and you so much. And hope to see you in that position. Hope to see you in that I position. I hope to be in it. Inshallah, Inshallah. Thank you, Mariam. Thank you for your time. Thank you uh, for the insights you shared with us and uh, i really recognize and i really admire the activities and efforts you are putting for the basic human rights uh, of kashmiris in indian occupied kashmir and their, uh, their right and their 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 life is very important that if their lives are on stake right now Mm -hmm. And we all have the concerns, and yeah. I am really happy that uh, you are uh, dealing with that issue while sitting in USA. And the voice, somehow, your voice, one day your voice will be heard. I, I, I'm sure. Inshallah, and yeah, that that's a really big thing. And one of my main things to keep on sticking with this project was. I was reached out to by a Kashmiri girl who's in Indian occupied Kashmir and she genuinely just said thank you so much. It's it's nice to know that some people are still advocating for us. We think the world's forgotten about us. And, and there I, are Hindus who are advocating for their rights. There are six yeah. in your organization who are advocating. There's a Chinese Filipino who is advocating yeah. for their rights in your organization. This is fantastic. Yeah. And that's uh, just this, our main this board. is the beauty. Yeah, that's just our auxiliary board. The members that are here, we have people from all over the world who are advocating for everyone's basic human rights. So it, it's really, it's really nice. We get to advocate, and we want to also change cultural stigmas, um, whether that be. For and no, no one thing, Mariam, that you have gem of Pakistan right now with your organization, Rajkumar. Yes, he definitely. is such a brilliant person. He is such an amazing person. You have that right now in your Yeah, definitely. And I think he, he's so great in everything he's done. He's always guiding all of us. And it's really nice to have him. And I think some of his projects that we've been working on, all of us together, are coming live um, on in September. So I'm really excited for everyone to see that. Inshallah. Inshallah, we will see it. And uh, my all the good wishes, prayers, and 
wherever I'm of any help, I'm always there. Thank you so much for giving me this platform to talk. I'm so excited that I was here. Thank you, Mariam. It was so nice to talk to you. Allah Hafiz. Thank you so much. Allah Hafiz. Thank you.